Well, we are glad you are here, and we are glad that uh, more of the church was not affected by the thunder and lightning than just the sanctuary. But thank you for bearing with us this morning. You know, we live in a world of choices, don't we? And you got lots of choices. If you go to Walmart, now these stats I'm going to share with you are about two years old, so it could have changed, but a super Walmart has somewhere around 100,000 different things you could purchase. Is that not incredible? 2015, Netflix offered 13,300 different movies or shows that you could watch. I don't know if you're like my wife and I, we will spend three hours finding a 30-minute show. Any of y'all ever do that? Uh, Choices, man, just enough to drive you crazy. I buy a lot of books from Amazon. Amazon, again, this changes probably every day, but in recent uh, months, they offered 1.8 million different books, e-books, Hardback, paperback, copies, you can buy 1.8 million books. That's overwhelming, isn't it, when you think of all those choices? Well, the great news this morning, we're going to be in Joshua 23, if you have your Bible. We're concluding our series on finding your best life, and we're going to wrap it up the way the book wraps it up, by, by bringing it all to a head uh, and to some decisions. And the great thing is this morning is that I'm going to offer you, or the Bible's going to offer you two choices not 100,000 in Super Walmart, which can be good and bad, but two choices that you and I need to make. And what rides on that, it certainly can be our eternity, but also the kind of life that we have here on this earth. So let's begin with a positive. God says this, choose to love God with all of your heart. What is the first choice that needs to be made this morning, that needs to be made by you, that needs to be made by me, is we need to choose to love God with all of our heart. In verse 8, now it's an interesting little verse. Uh, it, it says, for the Lord, excuse me, no, verse 8, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Now that word cling is an interesting biblical word. It means what you think it does to hold on to something tightly, but it means to pursue someone or something, to pursue them and to cling to them. It, it's the word of marriage. It's the word used in Genesis chapter 2 when God says that a husband and a wife, a man and a wife, should leave their, their, their mom and daddies and come together, get married, and cling to each other. God is saying, I want you to cling to me. I want you to come to me in a unique and special way. In other words, God's saying, I want to have a relationship with you that is unique to any relationship you have in this world. If you're married today or if you plan on getting married someday... You and your spouse should have a relationship unlike any other relationship that you have. You ought to have a love for that person and a unique clinging to that person that doesn't exist anywhere outside of that marriage. It's not good enough for me to tell my wife, Cindy, I love you. And I love this woman, and I love this woman, and I love this woman. My wife's a little cray-cray. She would probably kill me if I said that to her or if I lived that out. See, God, here's what God says to you. God says, I want you... The God of the universe, this is so cool. I want you to pursue me. I want you to come after me. I want you to cling to me. I want you to cling to me in a unique way like no other relationship that you have on this earth. That's what God's saying he wants from you and me. You want to have the best life? God's laying it out for us. In verse 11, look in verse 11, it says, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Now, isn't that, to me, that's strange. 
I mean, it'd be strange today some, if somebody came up to you after church and said, you better be very careful how you love me. Isn't that kind of, I mean, well, this is God. He kind of has the right to be possessive. And when he says, be very careful, the words here mean something. The, the little word very there means there's an intensity about something. It means, again, a wholeheartedness. And he says, you better be very careful to love me. That word careful means to guard something or to protect something are to tend to it. Now, if you're interested in pleasing God, you're interested in finding the life God wants you to have, here's what separates the has-beens from, from the ones that really soar with Christ. God is saying this, that if you're going to have the life that you want to have, it's going to be found in Jesus. And you need to have a relationship with him that is unique to any relationship here on this earth. Pursue him and cling to him. And and he says, I want you to love me like you love nothing else or no one else. And I want you to be careful to tend to this relationship. That word attend there in your Bible is a word of a garden uh, or a gardener. Do any of you garden in here? Do we have any gardeners? We had like three in the first service and probably none in the second service, which is normal. Back in the day, all people, old people especially, garden. My dad Loved to garden. My dad was a college administrator who wanted to be a farmer. And so when he got home from work every day, we farmed. And he said, well, I just have a garden. We had a half an acre garden. A half an acre is like a half a football field. That is a small farm. And, man, I want to tell you, I don't garden today because my father tortured us. To me, a garden was a form of torture parents used on their children when they were young. But I know this about a garden. You don't, you don't just wake up in April and go, man, I'd like to have some strawberries and some cucumbers. And you just go out there and just kind of close your eyes and throw it and say, God, please bless this. You know what you got to do to have a garden? Man, you gotta plow the ground, you gotta replow the ground, you gotta till the ground, you gotta carefully plant the seeds, you gotta come in, you gotta water it, you gotta put fence around it to keep the varmints out, you gotta put spray on it to keep bugs and, and stuff from eating it, and then uh, you're watering it, you're taking care of it, and then hopefully, at least in Tennessee in the early fall, you would go have a crop. The only way you had an effective garden was you had to give it careful attention. Most of us are not giving our relationship with God careful attention. No, 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 we give it lip service, but we're not careful in how we tend our relationship with God. God says, if you want the best life, it's found in me. It won't be found accidentally. It's not going to be found by a lukewarm, half-hearted commitment. But when you love me with all your heart, you pour your life into me, you attend to your relationship with me like a gardener does his garden. And here's something else. He gives us a little more specifics here. Carefully obey and follow God's word. Okay, he says, love me. Love, make the relationship you have with me unique. Tend to it like a gardener does to his garden. And then you carefully obey and follow me. Now, you, you can't say you love Jesus and live like the devil. Would you agree with me? But see, in this room, that's probably not the problem. Here's what we do. We say we love Jesus. We just do what we want to do, right? And if Jesus fits in, well, that's good. But if Jesus doesn't fit in, well, he's, he's good old Jesus. 
He's merciful. He had, Jesus has the gift of mercy. He's forgiving, died on the cross to forgive us. So if we put him completely on the back burner and ignore him, he's good with that. He is absolutely not good with that. If you are, again, married or you're in a relationship with someone, you cannot tell that person, I love you, and, and then treat them in ways that are just opposite of love. You've got to communicate to that person you love them in ways they understand that it is love. There is some objective ways you do that. That's the same way with God. Look what it says in verse 6. Therefore, be very strong. Again, unusual wording, but perfect wording. To keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. This is the Bible. Turning aside neither from the right hand or the left hand. Very strong. God said, listen, I want you to be courageous And I want you to preserve in how you obey my word. I want you to hang in there. Don't turn from the left. Don't turn from the right. Listen, we'll get caught on silly stuff. Well, I want to argue about whether the Bible means this or that. We can disagree on a lot of the minor stuff. But what God's saying, on the major things, if you love God, you're careful to obey him. You're careful to tend to your relationship with God. You obey his word. You hear it. You study it. You memorize it. You read it. And then you're careful to live it out. Okay, you want the best life, that's, that's the positive things. Now, here's a negative he gives us. Don't compromise. And I'm not talking about comp- don't compromise and never let your spouse have the remote or something like that. But when it comes to the things of Jesus Christ and it comes to, when it comes to sin, God says do not compromise. Look in verse 7. That you may not mix with the nations remaining among you, are mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. Do you see a progression there from mentioning their names to swearing by them to serving them to bowing down? And, and the, when he says you shouldn't swear by their gods, now you, you might think, well, of course I don't want to swear by the name of Buddha or whatever. That's not really what it meant. In the ancient world, when they would make a treaty with another country, if they were signing that on a scroll, they oftentimes would put it, they sign it, their leaders would, and they would sign it in the name of their God, okay, our Jehovah God, Yahweh God. And so we would do it in the name of Jesus, and then the other group comes over here, and they sign it in the name of Buddha. He said, don't do that. He, he was telling them, look, you're, you're acknowledging, even by little ways, you're acknowledging that their God is as important or is equal to our God, and he's not. Folks, I want to encourage you today. Many of you aren't struggling with compromising with gigantic sin. Some of you may be. We all struggle and we're going to face that. But that may not be your issue today. But what almost everybody in this room who is a Christian is struggling with is you compromise your relationship with Jesus. Again, it's, it's kind of like not carefully tending to it. You let other things become more important. You compromise being in church because of this or that or this or that. And this or that are always going to exist. You compromise on how you serve or, or things like that. God says, do not compromise. Look, we get off the path most of the time, not by taking a big jump, but by taking a small step. I want to read to you uh, about two universities here in America. This one university was founded in 1636. And here was their their purpose statement, to plainly instruct and consider well 
that the main end of your life and the studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. The university employed exclusively Christian professors and emphasizing Christian character formation in its students was the most important thing they did. One of the things they considered most important was equipping young preachers for ministry. Every diploma, and I'm going to read the English, not the Latin, said truth for Christ and truth for the church. You're going, well, is that Louisiana College or is that, uh, is that Baylor? Where, who is it? That was Harvard University. Not exactly a godly place today. Eighty years after Harvard was founded, pastors in New England said Harvard has gotten off the path and they couldn't pull it back to where it needed to be. It got off the path little by little, compromise by compromise. So these guys got together and they found a really rich guy who was a Christian and they said, let's start another university. So they started another university in Connecticut. And its motto was, we are light and truth, 1718. We're going to be a university that stands for Jesus Christ and teaching people about Jesus. That's Yale University, if you're familiar. Harvard and Yale today, their academic excellence is tremendous, but neither school resembles what their founders envisioned. At the 350th anniversary celebration of Harvard, a former president who was speaking of John Hopkins University bluntly said the bad news, Harvard has become completely godless. Larry Summers, the former president of Harvard, confessed, things divine have never been central, neither to my professional nor in my personal life. Harvard and Yale's founders certainly would be turning over in their graves if they saw how far those schools have gone. But you know how that happens? It happens inch by inch. Inch by inch. You go, well, that's Harvard and Yale. I don't care about them. It's, it's, a, it's a case study. Here's something you may uh, care about. There was a, a survey done of divorce lawyers in America two years ago. And they asked these guys who specialize in these ladies, specialize in divorce. They asked them, how much has social media impacted marriages? 81% of the lawyers interviewed said divorces have gone up because of social media. They said, what happens? Well, people get on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and they connect with an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend or an old friend, and they just begin to talk, and then they begin to message each other. Then they begin to take pictures of each other and send them to each other. And before they know it, they end up leaving their spouses for that person that they dated 20, 30, 40 years ago. They never intended to do that. It just slipped And so here's what God's saying. If you want the best life, you can have the best life. It is not about your mama, your daddy, your money, or your past, or even your present. You can have a great, fulfilling, satisfying life if you will do this, if you will put God first and not compromise at all. And that's the last thing I want to say to you. You'll have the best life when you do this. You'll have the best life. God spells it out here for us. Verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10 say, if I can find them in the dark, for the Lord has driven out before you great nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand since it's the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised. Here's what he was telling them. Look, guys, he was telling them, and it's a, it's a history lesson for you and me just like it was for them. God has proven himself to be true. They'd go into battle, uh, the odds one to 1,000, and they would win. They were on the one side because they had the hand and the power of God with them. Listen, when you follow God and you stay with God, you will have the favor of God on your life. That is how you find the life that you're looking for. 
That's how you find it. It's not complicated. It is hard. It's not something you need to get anxious about today. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens day by day, day by day, day by day. Jeff Bridges is a famous actor. I don't know anything about his relationship with Christ, but he made a good statement recently. He said when he turned 20, his dad said, Jeff, if you want to have a good life, develop good habits. Things that you do every day. You don't lose 50 pounds overnight unless you cut off both arms and legs. You don't, you don't get a PhD overnight. You develop good habits. You start doing the right things day in and day out. And Jeff, if you'll do that, you will end up successful someday because of those habits. Jeff said he blew his dad off then. He said he told him, Dad, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to pursue life as I want to pursue it. And he said, now, years later, how I wish I would listen to my daddy. Listen, I want you to listen to your spiritual daddy. What God is saying today is if you and I will get in the habit, put him first, and get in the habit of putting him first day in and day out, day in and day out, tend to your relationship with God like a farmer does his land. Guard it, protect it, and obey God. Don't compromise with people that try to pull you away and pull you down. You will find the life God's looking for. Now, here's the negative side of this. If we don't put God first, eventually things unravel. If we don't put God first, eventually things fall apart. They just absolutely do. Verse 12 and 13, and the Jewish people were famous for things falling apart on them and in their world. God had said the positives. Now he says this, for if you turn back and you cling to the remnant of those nations remaining among you, and you make marriages with them, so you associate with them, and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they will be a snare. He talks progression, a snare, kind of trip you, a trap. They'll catch you, a whip on your shoulders and thorn on your eyes until you perish, you die from off this ground the Lord your God has given you. Man, God told them, he said, look, man, I've got so much for you, but you got to make the right choices. And if you don't make the right choices, it's not going to go well. Now, he talks about marriage. And I think for, for all of us, this is important. It's bigger than marriage, but it touches on marriage. And he tells them, I don't want you intermarrying with these people. Now, that's not God saying, I don't want you to love people and be involved with people. But there's a difference in being friends with someone and marrying someone. Would you married people agree with that? You need to marry a friend, but you are marrying more than a friend. And plus, when they were getting married, there was not only a, uh, we would think the spiritual and the psychological of a marriage, there was also the political. They were getting involved with other people and their gods. And one of the things that ended up pulling them down was their entanglement with people they shouldn't be involved in. How many of you have ever heard the term, don't be unequally yoked? Have you ever heard that term? It's a biblical term, and it's a cattle term. But what, what does that mean? Well, when I was a young person, when I was a youth back 85 years ago, when they would talk about being unequally yoked and dating, it almost always seemed to be they were talking about race. And so to make this a race-neutral illustration, we're going to talk about purple people and green people, Okay. Purple and green. And so you would hear stuff like, well, you need to be equally yoked. So if you're purple, you marry a purple. And if you're green, you marry a green and you'll be okay. That's absolutely baloney. Equally yoked is not about skin color. It's about God relationship. If you're single today, you, if you're purple, 
you marry a green or an orange if they love Jesus. Amen? And if your mom or dad, someone doesn't like it, my, they can call me tomorrow, 255-4628. Clayton will be available. <laughs> you can marry somebody that looks just like you that doesn't love Jesus, and you are not equally yoked. It's not about skin color. It's about heart condition. You're dating somebody. You're going to be dating people. Look at me just for a second. Girls, look at me because boys are the biggest creeps ever. They'll start loving Jesus when they date you. And they'll even want to go to your church. And then you'll get married to them. And if they don't really love Jesus, I'm just not comfortable with that church anymore. Now, they were for two years while you were dating. See, they're liars. They were deceivers. By the way, the Holy Spirit knows that. So when you're dating someone and the Holy Spirit's punching you saying, no, 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 obey him. He is God. You're already married. You stay married. You make it work from this point on. But you're single. You date and you marry somebody who loves Jesus. You don't date and marry somebody so you can help them love Jesus. Missionary dating never works. You weren't, you're called to be a missionary, but not romantically, Okay. Now, you're, beyond the dating, what is he talking about here? He's talking about we unravel as we compromise, as we don't obey God, as we don't follow God. And we start getting involved in doing things we shouldn't. And listen, this doesn't normally manifest itself overnight. You can go, hey, man, preacher, you don't know what he's talking about. I got money. I got a nice house. I go to the country club. I got, I'm, I'm doing great. Just give it time. Stay away from God. Don't don't believe me. Just take God at his word. God doesn't double date with sin. And when you and I compromise and we get away from God, you're not a Christian. You say, I'm not interested in that. It's okay. They just know that there's consequences. It's going to unravel. We just got finished with Lent. How many of you gave up something from Lent? Wow, we have got a very... I didn't either. I'm just asking if any of y'all did. (laughs) We're going to next year for a church. I always tell people I gave up marijuana. (laughs) I did 30-something years ago. (laughs) There was a family talking. And and, uh, (laughs) there was a family talking around the dinner table right as Lent was coming. 40 days, going to give up something. The daddy said he's going to give up chocolate. Folks, I'm not ready to make that commitment to Jesus or anybody else. The mama said she's going to give up wine for 40 days, no wine. The oldest sister said she was going to give up watching anything, you know, any kind of movie or anything. They asked the 12-year-old girl, what are you going to give up? She thought for a minute. She said, I'm giving up consequences. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) But you can't. You cannot give up consequences. So that brings us to our last thought for this sermon series. Make your choice. Make your choice with God. Now, I can't, I can't get you today after church and pin you down and say, give your life to Christ now or I'm going to pop you. Well, I can, but that's, you're, you're not going to. I mean, so I'm not trying to force you, but I'm just saying some of you need, you need to make the choice today. The longest engagement in history was 67 years. This is a true story. A couple from Mexico got engaged in 1902 when they were 15. Now, that's not, that age was probably not uncommon 100, 115 years ago. 
So they get engaged. They're going to get married in a year or two. They got married 67 years later. Here's what they said when they got married at 82. We just could never get on the same page with the commitment. You know what? I'm going to give you some marriage advice and counseling. After 10 years, walk away from them. Amen? And 67 years. So, but that's how we do with God. And some of us in this room today, we really intend to start living for God someday. Some of you aren't Christians, and you're close, and you're really thinking about it, and you're going to do it. Just hope you don't die first. But you're going to do it someday. And some of you really you lo- used to love God and serve God, and you're thinking about coming back to Him, but it's busy right now. What, what does God say? In chapter 23, verse 14, listen to what He tells these people. And now I'm about to go the way of, of all the earth. Joshua said, I'm fixing to die. And you know in your hearts and souls, all, all, that, all of you, that not one word that God has spoken to you has failed. All of God's promises have come true. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. God say, listen, you can trust God. You follow him. His word's going to come true. You put him first. It is going to work out best for you. That's how you find the best life. But God's not going to force them, are you? Look in verse 15 and 16. But just as all these good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so so the Lord will bring upon you all these evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you sin against the covenant of the Lord, which he commanded you, and you go and serve other gods and you bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you will perish quickly from off the good land that he's already given you. Here's what God's telling them, just plain as day. Man, I want you to follow me. I want you so much to follow me, but I'm not going to make you. A A forced follower is not a real follower. He says, man, follow me. This is life. If you want to go your way, you want to go the way of the world, you want to go the way everybody else, you're smarter than God, then you can go that way, but it's going to turn bad at some point. Two thousand two, probably about four months before Cindy and Alicia and I moved to Ruston, I was still pastoring in Texas, and we had a, a, a revival speaker come in one Sunday. He was really not, he was not a preacher. He was a cowboy who had become a Christian and was going around sharing his story. His story was fantastic. Church can buy a new one if that broke. His wife got up first to speak. His wife talked about having several failed marriages, bad choices, choosing the wrong people, having an alcohol problem having several abortions. That got everybody in the church's attention. Then he got up and he talked about having an alcohol problem, being married to the wrong person, failing, married again, failing. And then they said, you know what? We both then made a new choice to follow Jesus. And we gave our life to Christ. And we got married 
And God's blessed us so much. And now we go around begging people and telling people that you've got a choice, but your choices have consequences. Here's what that country preacher said over and over that I'll never forget. He said, we make our choices, and then our choices make us. We make our choices, and then our choices make us. The last verse that we're going to look at is the 24, verse 15. I'm going to kind of speed through it. He's saying, look, if you want to serve the other gods, you want to serve the world, you do it. That's your choice. Go turn the verse a little bit. There you go. But look at that last part of it. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want to challenge you today to make a choice to follow Jesus with all your heart. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray that you will do whatever you need to be to do to get back in line with Christ. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're one and you're ready today to give your life to Jesus, to make that choice, pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I confess to you I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sin. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and you arose from me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, here's what I want to challenge you. A couple of choices. Your choice. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your life. Or maybe you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come today? I know it's hard, but would you come and talk to one of our ministers and cross that line with Jesus? If you want to wait and catch one of us after church, we would love to talk to you. But I want to encourage you, don't leave here today without choosing Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you'd like to join our church family. You can do that after church, or you can do that now when we stand. If God's leading you to join our church, that's a choice you need to make. Will you make it today? You're here and you're a Christian. You're doing well. Amen. Keep it up. We've got to carefully continue to tend the garden of our walk with Christ. Some of us are Christians. We're not where we need to be. Will you come back to God today before the consequences do get out of hand? Will you come back where you're standing or, or at the altar praying with a minister? Will you make a decision to come back strong to Jesus? Let's stand. Let's